Alrighty guys, good day. Welcome back to another episode of the Crypto Catch-Up by Tabin in Crypto. My name's Ted and I'm joined by Pav Hunter. Pav, how's things, mate? Hey, doing well. How are you? Doing very well, doing very well. There's a bit to unpack this week. Is there? Um, not not entirely positive, but yeah, no. you know, like we're always giving you the hot tips of kind of where the market's going. And so we'll give you a, kind of our thoughts of how we see things play out and some insights as well. Mm. So Pav, first of all, let's dive into your thoughts on the market. Straight into it, hey? Yeah, I reckon let's get straight into it. Yeah. No mucking around. I mean, it hasn't really changed too much since the last update we gave. So unfortunately, we're stuck in this range on Bitcoin still. I guess the unfortunate thing is it's not really giving us a tell on which way it wants to go just yet. If anything, you could argue there's more bearish things about what's happening with price purely just based on technicals um, than anything else. So right now, yeah, for me, it's a case of 42 seems to be the line in the sand here. You can see we've been going sideways here for going on a week almost. So the longer and longer we build up, I mean, my guess is the more explosive the move is going to be once we do pick a direction. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully by middle of this week, we get at least some sort of resolve. I think the unfortunate thing is there's not too many catalysts out there to drive price other than just the market itself. We had a lot of the big news come out last week from the macroeconomic landscape. I think the main data drop we have is like US jobs on Thursday or Wednesday night. But yeah, for me, another thing we can sort of look at to potentially help us work out which way we're going is the US dollar index. So the reason why this is important is crypto globally traded in USD. USDT usually is the dominating liquidity pair. So if this goes up, it's strength in the US dollar. If this goes down, it's usually when we start to see a price appreciation on crypto. So it's not a 100% lock and step move, but it's very correlated. Mm. So you can see here from October 2022 to January 2023, that was most notably uh, the last run. So that was that leg there. Yeah, what we're seeing now, I guess, is this particular range here. We've had a deviation, deviation, bounced off the bottom support range. So you, you kind of would expect this to first get to the midpoint, which we've just left. And then once you start to get above that, we start to head towards the range higher. So, I mean, time will tell if this plays out. But what this does mean is if in the coming weeks we start to trek up to, you know, 105 on the DXY, that could spell further downside to Bitcoin as well. And, you know, there's nothing to say once we get up to here, we don't just break out above and start to head to a higher price like uh, 110, 111. Anything's possible. So, so I was, the stronger DXY is, the, the worse it is for crypto. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much. Like it'll set up a great buying opportunity for those that missed out on the market, but it can also, yeah, obviously put a lot of people into depression if they've just recently bought into crypto. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... We'll see how everything goes. But I think um, this week hopefully gives us a little bit more information to work off. But I think most people understand or are pretty confident that the market's going to perform well this year. Yeah. And so I guess the more opportunity there is for buying low and you know capitalizing before we do see that uptick is yep. like, yeah, I mean, like that's a positive way of looking at it, right? I think so. And, um, you know, if we're talking about where could we go from here, there's a good cluster of highs, which the market does tend to like around here, which is 32 to 30K. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying we go there. But technically speaking, that is an area of interest. I think the problem with Bitcoin right now is there's a lot of fundamental tailwinds behind it, halvening, ETF. Yeah. This whole supply and demand dynamic has shifted. So you might find when we do dip, we may not dip as far or maybe we do. That's mm. kind of what we're waiting to see. And I think the next couple of months will be telling to see what sort of demand there is out there for Bitcoin. But lastly, just want to touch on this as well, just in regard to the DXY. So seasonality is a big thing. And this chart is probably the easiest way to explain it. So seasonality is like the average movement of 
an index, so in this case, the US dollar, over the course of the year. So this has taken all the data from the last 20 years and created like an average line of how price moves okay. through the year. So some yeah. years follow a different pattern. But I mean, if we just look at this year, the DXY is up uh, about 3% at the moment. So mm. it's above what we'd expect by this time of the year. Yeah. But what this has shown is that the incline usually lasts all the way up until the end start of March. So even though we are outperforming this seasonality index, um, I guess what we're also waiting to see is, have we run too far on the US dollar? Is it due for a pullback, which would be good for crypto because it's yep. just run too hot this year already? Or is this more of a time-based event where even though it's up 3%, when we'd expect 1% as an average, do we still need to wait till February, March before people start getting interested? So around the Q1, and that's interesting because that's around the halvening too, which yeah, we've yeah, talked yeah. about as yeah. well. So, so from a beginner standpoint, basically you're looking yeah. at this chart saying, the DXY is going to go up until March, which isn't great for crypto. And then from there, it comes down pretty sharply, which is a positive sign of crypto and it lines up with the halving. Yeah, correct. Okay. Correct. So it's just another way to measure this one. So yeah, I'll leave it at that. Going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Absolutely. I've got a bit of a tweet here, so I'm, I want to jump into the macro a little bit. Like I'm, you're usually oh, the yeah. macro guy. I, I know, I know. I just like the DGen crypto stuff, but um, this is a pretty telling interview. I just want to, are you able to play this video from the start so our listeners yeah. can hear? So it's Jerome Powell on 60 Minutes. The US thoughts. unsustainable fiscal path. The US federal government's on an unsustainable fiscal path. And that just means that the debt is growing faster than the economy. I have a sense this worries you very much. Over the long run, of course it does. You know, we're effectively, we're borrowing from future generations. It's time for us to get back to putting a priority on fiscal sustainability. And, and sooner is better than later. The U.S. is on... So, yeah, the key line there, the U.S. is on an unsustainable fiscal path, meaning things aren't looking great if they keep going the way they're going for the future. Um, and, and like you said, like future generations are going to be impacted by this, so they kind of need to get things under control now. Do you have any thoughts on that? If you've been tracking this sort of stuff, it's not anything new. Like COVID, there was like however many trillion dollars of printed, like mm. one third of circulating money was created in like the last few years. Like that's just a crazy stat in itself. So it's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. So if you create the supply and there's nothing backing it, you could somehow slowly get it out or reduce it. So that's all the tightening we've seen, increased interest rates, mm -hmm. filling up the Fed's reserves, things like that. So I think the one thing I took out of this um, interview, as well as the FOMC meeting last week, which is the group of people that get together to set interest rates uh, in the US was that they still expect to drop rates this year. So that's kind of what everyone's waiting for. That's kind of like the key headline for the year. Yep. Uh, but everyone was expecting it to be March. So now it's pretty much like a 0% chance after these comments, what's been said last week. But the overall move is actually to rely more on data-driven insights to then be able to decide when's the right time to drop rates. So what I would say is, uh, as much as macro is boring, it seems like that's probably going to be, we'll wait and see. Yeah, it's likely going to be what drives a lot of volatility in the coming weeks, coming okay. months, and okay. and that's how you know things are shifting. So what you're basically saying there is rates aren't going to be super pretty for the next couple of months, but you expect them to start turning around oh, around yeah. April, March. Well, you got to also April, May, sorry. yeah, and something that no one's expecting is that interest rates don't go down. Mm. So I mean, if that happens, I mean, that all hell could pretty much open loose because everyone's expecting uh, a big, like almost a percent drop this yeah. year. So, yeah. Yeah. I think everyone always talks about the soft landing rather than like recession. Yeah. And I think yes. 
there seems to be more chatter around like the likelihood of that now. So yeah, I think it seems like they've engineered this. So soft landing is like instead of going to a full full blown recession, they get the numbers and key metrics under control through slow tightenings and light light stimulus between just to try and ease the the impact on people. But I mean, mate, who knows how this is going to head down? But it seems like. All in all, it's been a pretty successful soft landing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's dive into the fun stuff. Yeah, it was pretty boring, stuff. wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cut it out. Even I get tired. Okay, so top movers. This week, it's looking pretty red in the top movers. There's a few like green bubbles there. I'm looking at Chainlink, um, yeah. up 28% in the last seven days, which is good to see. More of a legacy token there that has gone through a couple of cycles. So obviously, they've had a very big 2023 yep. Yep. Um, with the launch of their cross-chain interoperability protocol, mm-hmm. which kind of allows for... Like, in a nutshell, tokenization of real-world assets, right? Let's try to access some data. Yeah. Chain tech. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of been... It's considered by many to be sort of the market leader in terms of real world assets and tokenization. And, and obviously, like the likes of BlackRock and Larry Fink have said that he sees that being a huge industry in the financial sector mm-hmm. going forward. So, uh, yeah, Chainlink doing big things. I know, um, I've got a tweet here showing that some of the, um, whales are buying up. Oh, really? Um, Chainlink as well. So obviously demand is increasing there. Oh, yeah. There's an increase. Buyers. There we go. Yeah. So. Um, just goes to show that like the smarter money's getting into Link, anticipating some big moves moving forward. So we always talk about the new coins being like the shinier, probably going to do better in, in terms of ROI. But it's good to see that you know Chainlink, the ones that have been developing in the in the bear market and building, are still are still yep. there performing as well. Yeah, I like using it as almost a bit of a bellwether because Link was what kicked off a lot of the 2023 altcoin cycle. Um, so that initial strength there sort of trickled down into other assets. But everyone remembers Solana started running yeah. was outperforming bitcoin too link was right up there for quite a few weeks and then as the link slowed down everything else started going crazy and everyone forgot about link so i'm looking at this one pretty interestingly to see if it does garner some insights as to could there be still a little bit more room left on altcoins but i like Pyth as well like we've been tracking that for a little while so Pyth have more notably um been a, like everyone got Pyth, well not everyone but a lot of people got Pyth as an airdrop to begin with but mm-hmm. the way Pyth works is that you can stake it to help keep that particular infrastructure ecosystem running and vibrant mm-hmm. and there's lots of speculation that Pyth stakers will be eligible for airdrops similar yeah. to celestia tia we saw yeah. an absolute run on that from almost it started at a dollar it's up at like 18 19 20 us dollars right now mm-hmm. um so there's lots of speculation that staking your Pyth will enable you to receive airdrops so i think that might be driving a lot of positive sentiment at the moment with the recent hoo-ha around airdrops right now yeah and then what's the solana token yes yeah you can say it's like between that and the ethereum so yeah 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 and uh, i mean we saw the jupiter airdrop last week i know you're you almost retired off the back of it no i didn't um, but i forced you to come back to the podcast but yeah those solana airdrops seem like they're the hottest thing in town right now like yeah you'd expect people if they catch wind of another airdrop opportunity they're gonna be like i missed out i want to get on this one yeah so if you're kind of looking at those opportunities and seeing like there are tokenless projects on solana you'd you'd start to think okay well maybe they haven't announced an airdrop but Mm. like you think they will in the future that's typically what they do and see like what you can do to potentially get that airdrop in the future because that's going to be a huge trend or 2024 what's that always has been 
Well, no, Solana airdrops. Solana airdrops. Yeah. Well, they've always been good at supporting the community and the community always gets behind it. So, yeah, yeah. I agree. That's a pretty good shout. But other than that, there's not really too much else to call out. Like the Flare running hot as well, which I think a lot of people would be happy about. Might have got the Flare airdrop to the back end of last... Oh, sorry. It started last year, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So, Layer 1 ecosystem there but yeah that's about all i can see imax just performing as well yeah but yeah a lot of red a lot of red a lot of red even injective we've seen that one be so strong it's down 13 percent this week hate to see it Alrighty. What else we got going on? So a few news headlines here. Yeah, this Tether one's a big one. So Tether posted net profit in Q4 2023, $2.8.5 billion. It's a lot. Sorry, $2.85 billion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's huge, right? Uh, just goes to show that these stable coins, you know, they don't need to have volatility to make money off it because they make money off earning interest on their reserves. That's right. Um, fees on transactions. There's probably a few other things, lending as well. But yeah, that's massive. And it go, it like, I just want to put out a stat here that they made more profit in Q4 than Goldman Sachs and they only have a hundred or, you know, less than a hundred people um, yep. employed with them. It's crazy. Yeah, I can't wait for the next round of Tether FUD. It just doesn't make sense. Like, they've got so much money in the bank. Yeah. And I don't know if it says it in this article, but there is, like, some sort of statement that they're looking to rotate a portion of their profits into Bitcoin as well. Yeah. So, so I guess what you can take from this is that people often use stable coins to trade. Like, other people in, you know, maybe less developed countries with unstable economies might use it as a hedge against their own currency. Like, I know Argentina is quite big on yep. uh, stable coins, but in a lot of cases, people use stable coins to trade, right? Because they'll send it to an exchange to trade, where that, you know, that doesn't allow, like, fiat onboarding. And so, they'll use their tether to trade um, other crypto assets, and they often have a bag of tether. So, when every, you know, they're looking at the markets, whenever they find something, they can just buy it instantly, right? So I guess it shows that there's an increase in demand for Tether and stablecoins, um, which is good heading into, you know, the, the new year. And yeah, like it's just, it just shows the overall, overall strength of the market, I'd say. Yeah. And I think you've got a chart here just showing just the week on week growth in the recent market cap of Tether. Well, um, yeah. The market cap of Tether is at an all time high. Yeah. So even, even compared to like the height of the 2021 bull market, like it's considerably higher than that. Yeah. And, uh, we still haven't really touched on. I guess we've just started that bull market, but still, like, it's going to be huge. Like, it's yes. stable coins aren't going away. Liquidity is what we want. Absolutely. Plan B. So, I haven't heard from Plan B in a while. Plan B. Do you want to give a bit of background um, is, as to why Plan B is quite well known in this space? Yeah, he made um, a particular model called the stock to flow ratio mm. um, which is probably easy if I bring it up it shouldn't be too hard it's essentially like a live data feed chart that looks to model Bitcoin's price against a reference point that's built on I think a couple of factors like scarcity and like the time it takes to yeah. create new Bitcoin Yeah. so essentially it's like a data model to try and track where future price is going how over or undervalued are we from some sort of baseline fair value that's kind of where plan b has come from he's always been notorious as well for like some wild price predictions i remember last bull market his prediction was how big was it i don't remember over 100k it was wasn't it? um and yeah. everyone was kind of banking on that being like okay well you know this, this was going is, hasn't lied yet and then it, it clearly was wrong and <laughs> like, he, he kind of lost a little bit of respect in that regard you get that but yeah it, it looks like he's made some predictions for this year so he reckons the bitcoin price is going to hit an all-time high in q4 this year around about october yeah, okay um, before we see a crash after that so october. um he's basing that off um, previous cycles whereby, you know, six months after the Bitcoin halving, we see an all-time high and then typically we'll have a, you know, 
a crash or you know a correction there and like in 2021 we had we did have that correction but then it came back up and hit another all-time high there's no indication here from this knowledge that uh he's indicating it you know like that similar sort of dip and then come back but october he reckons yeah right so we'll see about that i know most bull markets last a year and a half so yeah you'd be looking at like end of 2025 to kind of that september-ish yeah, yeah. To, you know as like a bull market end trigger i guess by timing but you know there's there's a bunch of factors that play into it so yeah what are your thoughts pav it's an interesting take like obviously be watching i just like to watch price week by week because that's mm. just what i do but when i think about things in a long-term lens i mean why would we deviate from what's already happened in the past mm. so like yeah i kind of would be more subscribed to the year year and a half yeah and then just watch to see what happens to price i know historically like october is usually like october yeah so usually it's a month where you see gains across all markets. Mm. That's just looking at statistics. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm going to say no. <laughs> oh, okay. Big yeah. call. Yeah. Watch out for the headlines tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Well, we, we might leave it there, guys. That's, yeah, it's a uh, bit of a quick one. Actually, yeah. i got one hot take for you. Yeah, please. So let's just play the game that crypto does go down from here. Yeah. So let's say we see a 30% crash, which is not uncommon for Bitcoin, for Bitcoin, which yeah. could be 50, 60% for alts, yeah. if not 90% on some absolute yeah. stinkers. Are you going to get upset? Because yeah, we do see these sort of moves leading up to and around the harvesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, 30% is probably more than I would like. Like anything but, you know, 10, 20%, I'm probably comfortable with at this point in time. 30% probably spells that things are, you know, not where they need to be, in my opinion. Okay. Um, because usually around this time, like, yeah, we will have a bit of chop, but 30% is typically like a, you know, a bit more impactful than what we typically have. So, yes, yeah, so I would think that there's a little bit more cause for concern than, than like a usual 10 to 20. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Preparing for it. Okay. So I'll be ready for it if it does happen. Prepare, but like, do you think it's going to happen? If it does, I'll be ready to scoop up a bargain. Yeah. That's my personal plan. But yeah, I don't know. I No one knows. Like, again, like the dynamics completely different this time around to yeah, previous yeah, cycles, yeah. but it's been pretty well documented. There's some sort of retracement either before or after the halving. Um, so yeah, I would just say keep it in the back of your mind. Yeah. Obviously, we had in 2020, we had like the COVID crash. Yeah, I don't think we get anything like which, that. Which like, you know, I think for us to have a 30% crash in this point in time, like it would need to be like a catalyst driven crash it wouldn't just be out of the blue yeah um, if i had to say anything we're probably closest to what could have happened um in 2015 so if i just quickly zoom across here it wouldn't take me too long um but if we go to 2015 there was a period leading up to the halvening which was here so we had the halvening and then in 2015 2016 it was after the halvening we saw a dip um probably pretty considerable one 30 percent to the to the t but then once we had that, it was just off into the races. So, you know, just have the perspective of like the longer term probably doesn't change, but it could get a bit bumpy because we've got so much time still. Unless you're talking to plan B, he'll tell you we've only got till October this year. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting one, but yeah, there's so many analysts out there calling different things. So but that's what you need. You need to hear a couple of multiple things. perspectives. Yeah. yeah. All right, mate. Alrighty, let's leave it there. Let's wrap it. Cool. Thanks, Pav, and we'll see you guys next week. See you guys.
Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon.